Hey everybody, welcome back, Balls and Beards podcast, rolling right, right along here, been a little bit since uh, we had an opportunity to touch base with everybody, you know, I, sports guy Chris here, I'm with my good friend Mikey, Mikey's still out in Southern California, yes, sir. I'm here in Wisconsin, how you doing brother? Oh, you know what, I'm, uh, you know, sweltering in the hot, hot heat out here in SoCal. I hear you man, it's been, uh, it's been a couple weeks of humidity out here and then all of a sudden today... It's uh, it's like 70, 67. Oh. Something like yeah, yeah, it's nice and cool all of a sudden. So uh, I know, right? Yeah, look it out. But uh, yeah, man, uh, we have a we have a lot to cover. Of course, we had a couple of incredible Eastern Conference semifinal series, one involving my Bucks, of course, which we will get to the other involving the 76ers and the top seed in the East. Doc Rivers, uh, some some familiar territory as they dropped yet a game seven. Doc Rivers drops another one. Uh, we've got the Western Conference Finals going. Of course, the Clippers have now rallied back from a pair of two to nothing deficits in the playoffs. Dropped game one yesterday. I'm not sure how many times they can they can get down in a series before they can rally again, but we'll touch on that. We've had some coaching changes, but Mikey, we definitely have to dive into these Eastern Conference series, and I want to yeah. lead off. The 76ers, of course, dropping that game seven at home yesterday. Uh, I mean, dude, I was surprised after they went to Atlanta and were able to get, you know, get game six in Atlanta after, you know, Atlanta had erased a massive deficit in Philly in that game five to steal that one. Uh, I thought Philly coming to get this game back home, they would get it done. But they didn't, man. They were actually pretty atrocious down the stretch in the fourth quarter. Dude, I got to get your take on on that series, what you think, if the Hawks have a chance. But really about the 76ers, bro. I, I, it's, it's all you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So um, let's, let's – I mean, you know, I, I, I've had questions about um, Ben Simmons' ability to be a star player in this NBA Yes, I, you yes. know, I mean, I, I, I just don't understand. We've talked about this about other players. You know, I don't understand yeah. how people anoint these guys so quickly coming out of college and whatnot. And, you know, this is a dude, you know, that was heavily hyped coming out of LSU. Again, despite having not had a great season, he didn't even make the NCAA tournament his lone season at LSU. Didn't even take the NIT invite because, you know, I think that, him and his people were worried that, you know, it was going to look bad on his draft status. Yep. Um, but this is a dude that clearly, you know, I think he's a bust. I, I just don't know how else to explain it, Chris. He's a bust. Um, I agree. You know, Mike. amazing stats that I was reading this morning on hoopshype.com. Shout out to Hoopshype. But he shot, Chris, over the course of a seven-game series. Seven games. He shot a total of three times the entire series in the fourth quarter. Three times. In game one, he was two for two. Game two, zero for zero. Game three, one for one. Games four, five, six, seven. Zero for zero. The dude didn't take a single shot in the fourth quarter in pivotal games. In pivotal games. When you have the ability to try and, you know, for all of his prowess and being this really tall point guard with having these defensive abilities, you know, and granted, I didn't watch a whole hell of a lot of the Philly series because I don't really care for either team. But, Fair enough. But where is uh, if Trey Young's going off? Where's your defense? Where's your defense on him? Trey Young was going exactly. Off. Yes. Where's your defense on him? If your defense is so pronounced, if your defense is this vaunted defense that just apparently is just like God's gift to green earth, where was it? Right. 
Yep. Um, it was non-existent. You passed open a wide open layup and your excuse was BS. You passed up a wide open layup. He set an NBA record, Chris, for futility at the free throw line. He shot like 32%, 33%, something ridiculous. That was worse than Shaq, who is one of the all-time worst free throw shooters. Now, granted, he's seven feet tall. This is a point yep, guard right, you're talking right. about that is a sk- that's scared to get to the free throw line. He's scared to shoot a layup. He's scared to be anything sort of aggressive going to into the paint when presumably he's got an undersized matchup each and every time. This dude, yep. I don't know what they can do. They, Philly has to try and trade him. And after this playoff series and after these playoffs in particular, I don't know what his trade value is. It's going to be ridiculously low. And I don't know if he has the ability to turn this around because he has some serious screws loose upstairs. And I don't know if there's any coach, if there's any coaching staff, any franchise in the NBA, that's going to take a risk on this dude and try and tighten those screws, so to speak, and be able to get it all together for this dude. Great point. Sit there and talk smack about Lonzo ball and all these other kinds of things. And he's got weird shooting mechanics. At least the dude's not afraid to take it into the paint. List this dude's not afraid. D'Angelo Russell, I hated him as a Laker. Granted, I liked him as a Laker, so I'll take that back. But he was starting to wear thin on me. But here's another Fair dude enough. not afraid to take shots in the fourth quarter, right? You know, you, you have all these various players that just are get a knock for being Russell Westbrook. I know we've, we've, we've crapped on him over the course of our, you know, almost 30 episodes of recording this podcast. We have. But here's another we have. dude that is not afraid, despite his struggles from three-point land. Despite his struggles, this is a dude that's not afraid to jack it and at least give an opportunity for his teams to win, okay? Ben Simmons completely, it's four on five, Chris. It's like you're not even playing against five on five. It's ridiculous. Oh, I totally agree. That Philly has an opportunity to be a contender in the Eastern Conference. And if anybody next season, unless they make some serious moves, perhaps even a coaching change, and I'll get to that in a second, if you don't mind. However... Yeah, Chris, I don't know how Philly can remain the contender for a championship. I'm not talking about a playoff contender. They're going to be in the playoffs. They've got the talent, but there's no way that this team with Ben Simmons on that roster is a contender in the Eastern Conference to go to an NBA championship if he's going 0 for 3 over the over the course of seven games in the fourth quarter. Okay. Well said, now, Mikey. Here's some more nope. amazing stuff off of hoop sites that I learned this morning. Okay. Mm-hmm. Ben, uh, uh, Joel Embiid, despite having a relatively good series and pretty much having his way, you know, the shenanigans with, with Collins, uh, you know, um, in that fourth quarter, you know, you know, he knew what he was doing with his arms out to the side, walking Collins outside of, you know, outside, out of bounds. He knew what he was sure. doing. He was, he was rightfully assigned that 35 grand for a fine. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Did over game six and seven. I turned the ball over 16 times. I do believe he had eight turnovers in each game. Okay. That's not helping your team win. Okay. And then, oh, oh. and then, okay. Doc Rivers, Chris, here's yep. a guy that is allegedly an elite coach in the NBA. Okay. His last yep. NBA finals was 2010 with the Boston Celtics and he lost to the Lakers. Yep. Okay. For a championship banner number uh, uh, 16. Okay. <laughs> Here is. His stats in, you know, into games uh, over the playoffs. He has five game seven losses at home. Now, one of those is also considering 
the bubble. So technically speaking, it's four losses at home, not including the break. The right. next NBA coach, who is in fact an NBA legend, Chris, is Pat Riley. Guess how wow. many he has? Uh, two. Two. You are absolutely right. Ding, ding, ding. Okay. If we had sound effects. Ding, ding, ding. Okay. Oh, yes. Yes. <laughs> two. He had two. Okay. So Doc wow. Rivers has doubled up what Pat Riley had. Okay. And he has blown three, one, two, three. 3-1 series leads where his team has been up 3-1. Now, I do believe two out of those three <laughs> belong to him coaching the Clippers. Okay? You're he's right. Yeah. One, three to two lead, and he's blown one, two, and oh lead. So here's a guy that can't get it done when he needs it most. Now, I was tweeting some of these stats out to a basketball thread that I, I, I participate in with a bunch of friends mm-hmm. of mine. Uh, shout out to Nick. Shout out to Nick. Shout out to Alex. Shout out to Chris. But just a couple of those guys are Clipper fans. Sure. They they don't like this dude. They're like, yeah, this dude does not. And clearly you can see it in the, his, his, his record in game sevens and over the course of series. And this dude doesn't make adjustments. This dude doesn't do anything to, you know, kind of like your coach in Milwaukee, Budenholzer. I mean, here's a yeah. dude that just doesn't make enough adjustments, doesn't do a whole hell of a lot to give his chance, his teams a chance to succeed. And look, you know, here's a guy that just, <clears throat> excuse me, can't get the job done. You know, we were talking about this earlier, Chris. You know, here's a guy that, despite winning a title in Boston in 2008 and going to the finals three out of you know, two out of three years from 2008, 2009, 2010. Okay. Yeah. Here's a guy that is not necessarily credited with getting them to the title. I mean, look, he had an incredibly talented team with Ray Allen, Kevin Garnett, Paul Pierce, you know, Kendrick Perkins, Rajon Rondo. He had an incredibly talented team, first of all. Second of all, Tom Thibodeau was grant was credited with being the architect of the defense that was so successful in the Eastern Conference during that stretch run. That's an excellent point, Mikey. Yeah, and so, you're and, right. And and the proof is in the pudding. Look who look what Tom Thibodeau did in New York this last season. Okay, look right. What he did yeah. in Minnesota at least for a brief period of time. Like yep. look what he has done. Doc Rivers, no success. Couldn't even get the Clippers out of the second round of the playoffs. The dude threw Ty Lu out uh, kind of under the bus when he took over for the job this last year. And, you know, people were saying, well, their offense isn't probably going to look that much better considering, you know, Ty Lu was on his staff last season. Yeah. Guess who's in the Western Conference Finals for the first time in franchise history? And guess who just got knocked out in game seven to an upstart team that had no business going seven games with your team in Philadelphia, if you look at the roster on paper. You are totally right. Yep, yep. So, again, I don't want to hear this crap. This is what frustrates me about mainstream media and, 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 you know, ESPN and all these kinds of things that want to sit there and talk about Doc Rivers being this coach. I'm just a fan. You know, we get we get our airtime. People give us a listen. You know what I mean? But like, oh, yeah. I'm sorry, dude. As an NBA fan, I just don't, you know, this is yet another coach that keeps getting, people keep singing his praises and he keeps getting opportunities to coach teams and his success rate is non-existent. Non-existent. Yeah. You have excellent defenders on that squad. There is no excuse for Kevin 
uh, 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 Kevin H. Herder, Herder, Kevin Herder, Herder, outside yeah, and and drop twenty seven on you in Game Seven. There's game no seven. excuse for that. You've got you've got Thibel sitting on that bench. I get it. Danny yeah. Green has been out. He got hurt. He was out. There was a chance he was going to come back for the conference finals, but obviously he wasn't there. Joel Embiid, supposedly the stalwart in the middle. Ben Simmons, yep. Seth Curry's not a terrible defender. You've got yep. these supposedly good defenders on that squad. Tobias Harris, eh, he's okay. Like, yeah, yeah. And yet you couldn't get the job done, man. Dwight yep. Howard, excellent rim protector. You couldn't get the job done, dude. Yep. I, I just, no. It's ridiculous, Chris. And and again, I, that's all I got. Kudos, hey, to, you, kudos to Nick McMillan. We kind of both writ, wrote them off after the firing of Lloyd Pierce. Didn't we really did. Know yeah. where they were at. They came yep. on strong, took out the Knicks. Now, taking out the 76ers, you know, I, I, I don't know, man. It's, it's, it's quite amazing. Um, it's a great story. I hate Trey Young. I don't like him as a player. Um, I don't. I, I just, I like Collins. Um, I do like Gallinari. You know, I, I do like Nick McMillan as a coach. I mean, he's definitely proving why he should keep that head coaching job there in Atlanta for the time being. Oh, absolutely. Um, you know, but kudos to them. I mean, they absolutely just turned it on. They did what they needed to do. And, you know, that's a big difference, Chris. I'm sorry to keep going off. You're not getting much time here. I'm sorry, but no, sorry. Bro. <laughs> you know, Chris, like, you know, you look at Trey Young, who's an six foot nothing, you know, probably weighs 195 pounds soaking wet. Yeah, he's going out there and he's shooting the ball from 35 feet out with confidence. He's getting in the paint. He's getting his teammates involved. He's doing all these things. Ben Simmons, going back to Ben Simmons, Ben Simmons had five points in a game yep, seven. Five. Five. Five points. Yep. Yep. We, 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 I don't get it. I don't get it. So, yes, if you were to start a franchise today, am I choosing Ben Simmons or Trey Young? Yeah, I don't like Trey Young, but guess what? I'm starting a franchise with Trey, Trey Young. Oh, absolutely, dude. Totally, totally. Hey, man, you did a great job of taking us through that series, the, the shortcomings for the Sixers. Doc Rivers, uh, you know, the only thing I'll add about Doc, it just seems at this point it's the classic case of great regular season coach, terrible postseason coach. There's been a lot of those dudes in the NFL over the years. Not quite as many in the NBA. It seems like if you're around long enough, you usually can – it balances out for you in the NBA. Yes. There's usually not that big of a discrepancy, especially when you can't get the job done at home. Hats off to the Hawks. When they went down 2-1 to one after winning the, the first game in the series – I thought they were done. I, I you know, I, I think a lot of people did. And then to to go on the road in game five and be down 26 points, get completely, you know, outplayed, annihilated, whatever you want to use in the first half. And then to come back and win that game is incredible. And then down the stretch, of course, in game seven, you made all the great points. You know, Ben Simmons, the free throw shooting. I know through the first six games, he had missed 45 free throws through the first six games. Dude, if they make half of those, if they make, if he makes a third of those, fifteen yeah. more points, the Sixers are moving on. They win this series. I mean, you got, you can't, you can't be that much of a liability. And you're, you're a guard. Like, I mean, come on. How? Yeah. When have you ever heard of a guard, small forward, even whatever you want to say, shooting that awful from the free throw line, especially in the playoffs? It's unbelievable. I was 100% with you. I was not high on him when he came out of LSU, which, by the way, that LSU team was stacked. It wasn't just Ben Simmons and a bunch of whatever, you know, two-star recruits. They were stacked. 
they were picked by a lot of people to be a contender to win it all that year. And they couldn't even make the tournament, yeah. which told me something this there's something, something wrong with that dude when it comes to pressure or expectations or whatever it was, because they weren't even remotely close. And the conference they played in was terrible. The SEC is not a very good basketball conference, exceptional right. football conference, not very good. So I, I was pumping the brakes. I can remember reading an article, Mikey, yep. that compared him to Magic Johnson going into the draft, and I, I, I got a good laugh out of that one. Um, I mean, Magic Johnson, not even close. But great points about the, the not taking in the fourth quarter. I didn't know that. That is just shocking to me. I mean, I, I don't know. I think you hit the nail on the head, though, talking about the Sixers are going to have to try to find a way to move on from this guy. And what became evident down the stretch here, especially in that game seven uh, last night, was they just don't have, they didn't have a go to score, clearly. Yes. I mean, Ben Simmons was supposed to be that guy when you drafted him that high. Embiid could get what he wanted inside, but the turnovers, so on and so forth, when you need to create a shot, which, you know, we saw a whole bunch of that in the Bucks uh, net series, which we'll get to in just a second here, but. The Philly just didn't have that, you know, and I was saying to my brother earlier, you know, I said, hey, Seth Curry was having a heck of a series. I said, at some point, that dude's going to stop scoring 36, 26 and, and revert closer back to his regular season average. That happened last night. I think he had 16. Still a great game for him. But when it, when it's taken 36 from Seth Curry, you know, for you to win a playoff game, that's not good. I mean, right. that's not a formula that's going to last too long. So, uh, what the Sixers do from here, I agree with you, though. It, it's clear if you can't even get past the upstart Hawks and you are up on that team by 26 in game five at home and you couldn't get it done, I don't know, man. Yeah, they, they definitely need to try to make some changes there, though, because that recipe is is uh, is not working. Right. <laughs> to least, but um, I'm going to I'm going to leave it at for that. I think you did a great job covering that series. You know, the Hawks. I take my hat off to them as well. Like you said, I mean, tremendous uh, to just keep coming back in this series, keep coming back in this series. I mean, that was, that was something, especially for a team relatively inexperienced overall in the playoffs. Now they had some guys that have been in some playoff series before, of course, but not had a ton of success, you know, Gallinari, Clint Capella, these guys have been in playoffs, but they haven't necessarily. Well, yeah, and Lou Williams too. I mean, you can't forget Lou Williams. I mean, and Lou Williams, of course. Yeah. Can't I forget think- Yep. Lou Will is very much kind of like that Rondo. The reason why they kind of brought Rondo in for the Clippers, right? I mean, you know, yep. this Lou Williams is brought in because of his playoff experience, because of his veteran leadership. And, you know, I think that's proving to pay dividends right now in the postseason. Yep. Yep. Well said. Well said, my man. All right. Hey, we'll take a quick segment break, guys. And then when we come back, we are going to jump in. We're going to talk about that Bucks net series. All right, welcome back, everybody. Balls and Beards podcast, episode 29. We are cruising along. We just took you through the uh, the Sixers coming up short, surprisingly, with the Hawks. Mikey took us through a great series of statistics, uh, you know, and and really kind of shed light on on where this blame should fall for the losses. And, and you know, Doc Rivers, Ben Simmons, yeah, totally. But now it's time to move on to that Bucks nets series what a series it was uh like i said right before i went to the break i'm still a little still feeling it from that game seven 
Yeah, a little tingly, man. That was uh, that was a heck of a game. That was a heck of a series, especially for a Bucks fan. You know, we've <laughs> we've been pretty close before, and uh, it seemed there were certain points in this series, of course, where everybody had kind of written us off. Even as a Bucks fan, it was tough. I mean, after that shellacking in Game Two, where we were actually down by forty nine at one point, it uh, it seemed pretty bleak. You know, they, we got we got off to the good start in Game Three. Then had to hang on, you know, blew that big start, hung on in a really scrappy kind of ugly game. Game four, Kyrie, of course, got hurt, but got it done, led from start to finish. Game five, of course, was the Durant game. You know, we we had a lead early. You know, you lose that one, Durant goes crazy, and then he's kind of like, oh, man, did we just blow our opportunity? And then, of course, the, uh, the game seven for the ages there, but – um, first off, I have to take my hat off to Kevin Durant. I, I'm going to have to agree with Giannis uh, 100% with his, you know, game seven uh, comments after the game. I, Durant right now is the best basketball player on earth with the way he just played. I think it would be hard to argue with that, especially after the game fives and game sevens. Those were really impressive. And P.J. Tucker played his butt off that series. That dude was playing defense, especially from game three on. Um, you know, he did everything he could do. And in a couple of those games, Durant just was obviously absolutely incredible. The the record, of course, in game five, the triple-double record. And then nobody has scored more points in a game seven than Durant's 48 the other night, which, of course, was almost 49 and, and most likely would have won that game for the Nets in regulation, of course. Toe was on the line. So much to get to, uh, kind of gave us the rundown there. But, you know, I, I will say from a Buck standpoint, it yeah. was pretty clear when we decided to run our offense, we got what we wanted in this series. And when we didn't, um, it was a lot of bad shooting. And, and we did miss a lot of shots. And then that's missed some shots, too. Not, not saying they didn't. But, you know, Milwaukee, our offense never came close in this series to, to what we were in the regular season. But, hey, playoff intensity, all those good things. You got Durant going off across the court, all these other things going on. But it was really, really awesome to see Giannis come through in this series uh, the way that he did, uh, especially down the stretch in in games, you know, uh, six and seven for us to rally back and, and win this series. So that was great to see, you know, Chris Middleton. He had a, a, his own fantastic performance. I mean, 38 points off 16 shots in, in uh, game six. I, you're not going to get much better than that. Uh, and then, of course, Durant's epic, uh, you know, uh, game five and game seven. So, but Mikey, I got to turn it over to you. I got to get your thoughts, your perspective from a you know, fan, not Bucks fan, not Nets fan perspective. But man, what a series, brother. Um, can't wait to get your thoughts. Yeah. Um, you know, hey, I, I, I've, wa- I've tuned into this series a couple times, um, you know, wanting to, to watch it. Um, I, don't, I don't like watching James Harden play. Um, I don't either. (laughs) It's funny watching him get these plays called where, you know, he kicks his legs out and he makes contact with the defender at the three point line. He gets called for shooting fouls. He goes to the free throw line. And then, you know, guys on your team did the same thing. And it was like, nah, that's not a foul. No, that, yeah, it's just, it was very, the disparity was fairly interesting there. Um, Thank you for pointing that out because that was, that was noticed. (laughs) And and, and it's incredibly, um, it's just, I, I don't, I get it. He's a great actor. He's a fantastic actor. He and, really is. He really know, is. But I, I, I was I was pretty sure I've been I followed basketball fairly regularly. Uh, really oh, yeah. regularly. And you know, 
the NBA was supposed to really crack, the refs were supposed to crack down on unnatural shooting motions. Kicking the legs out and making contact with the, with the defenders was supposed to be either a no-call or an offensive foul. Yep. Have somebody like James Harden in particular who is go, doing these herky-jerky, just weird shooting motions. I get it. He's always kind of had that. But yes. he takes it to an extreme where, I, I, you know, I know we only the NBA only has one challenge allowed. But if I'm the refs and the referees association and the, the, the you know the 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 uh, competition committee, you know, mm-hmm. of owners, I, I, I I'm gonna say, man, like that's just really. I think it it's part of the game, yes, but it's just it's a frustrating part of the game because when you have lesser known players that do almost the same thing, and I get it. You should allow the offensive player space to land safely and not land the Zaza Pachulia rule, right? Yes. But when oh. you're when you're the offensive guy leaning into the defender and he's jumping up, the defender's entitled to his space too. So yes, I think that there's 100%. some definite things that need to be looked at there. I don't think that it's I, I don't think it was called fairly, especially in that game seven. There was one play, Harden got that call. Then on the another play, I don't know if it was Chris Middleton. I forgot who it was. Maybe it was Drew Holiday. I don't know. But they did almost something exactly similar, and it, it was a non-shooting foul, if it, not a foul at all, and it was either side out or it was a turnover. I can't remember which, but it was not nearly the same benefit that James Harden got. So I'm going to throw yep. that out there. And James Harden was even kind of complaining, so that maybe it was a foul. But if I remember, James Harden was kind of complaining. I remember yelling at the TV, like, dude, that's what you do. Like, how can you complain yeah. when somebody does what you do? Like, that doesn't make any sense to me. Well, um you know, like you said, kudos to Kevin Durant. He played his, you know, his 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 guts out. But here's the thing: as a Laker fan, Brooklyn Nets fans, get over it. No one has sympathy for you. I don't have sympathy for you because, plain and simple, yes, Kyrie Irving got hurt. If you had Kyrie Irving, if 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 maybe you win, you probably win this series. No offense to your Bucks. Yeah, however, none taken. However, you got to get breaks. You sometimes. went and you got Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving. You went out and got traded for James Harden this offseason. You went out and got Blake Griffin. Like, you know, you made these moves. You signed Joe Smith to a big contract. You did these things with the intent of winning a championship. No one's going to feel sorry for you. No one's going to have sympathy for you. You know, I give kudos to to Steve Nash and that coaching staff. They were able to handle the egos. They were able to let these guys do their thing. They made some smart decisions, smart moves. They went to a small lineup against you guys. You know, Blake Griffin playing center. You know, even Bruce Brown occasionally playing center and guarding Brooke Lopez right. at times and Giannis at Both times. Both of those guys were pretty good that yes. series for the Nets. I don't think you could expect much more out of Blake, Blake Griffin and Brown. I mean, they Absolutely. were fantastic. Absolutely. Yep. You know, and I, I'm, I'm going to – I've never been a big Blake Griffin fan, but kudos to him. He did play really well. He fouled out. He left it out there on the court. I think he, he did. with like 16 points and like 11 rebounds or something like that. So certainly he had right. – opportunity you know he impacted the game in some way shape or form his defense on Giannis was pretty solid you know or and Brooke Lopez but here's the thing despite that with the Brooklyn Nets they had a chance to win if Kevin Durant wears shoes that are actually his size maybe his toes behind the line they win that game by one point yeah but the thing that I what I appreciated and again I'm going to go back to the previous series we just talked about is that Giannis was still attacking he was patient. Yes. He yes. was a guy that, you know, was getting into the paint. You know, he was getting to that free throw line, maybe a foot or two in, getting rising up, putting that ball in the hole. Um, 
you know, I mean, I know he was playing with some fouls, um, you know, so he was, you know, careful to get those offensive fouls. Maybe there was times where I thought maybe he was a little too timid and I was watching the game, Chris, and I'm like, dude, this dude's scared of the playoffs. Like this dude is scared of the big moment. Like yep. you know, your Kobe's, your, 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 your Steph Curry's, you know, these are guys that are not afraid. Your Chris Paul's, these are guys that are not afraid yep. of those big moments, right? These are guys yep. that they'll give them, I will live or die with myself, but I know that I gave everything I had and I'm going to put up those shots and make plays. There were yep. times where Giannis looked a little timid, but fortunately, were- this is why you brought in Drew Holiday, right? This is why you yeah. have Chris Middleton. Those yep. guys also made shots. Budenholzer did. did something that I thought was incredibly risky down the stretch. He continued to play Drew Holiday despite five fouls. Drew yeah. Holiday, for his yep. credit, maybe his reputation helped him in this regard. He still played aggressive defense despite having five fouls. He also left it out on the court. He did. Um, Brook yep. Lopez, stupid turnover. You guys had an opportunity to at least throw the ball up with six seconds left. And, and, and you know, your shot clock about to expire. And all you had to do is throw it up and possibly, Lord willing, hit the rim. And this dude looked like a knucklehead when you just had a timeout and he turned the ball over. Okay. Just like a seven-minute timeout full of right. 17,000 commercials. Like, come on, man. How yes. could you not realize How that? Yeah. you yet? not know what the shot clock is at, right? My but brother then, and I had a very nice yell at the TV over that one. Yep, yep. Oh, sure. <laughs> but then what does he go and do? He has arguably the game-saving block. Yes. Yes, he did. So he more than made up for that turnover. But again, Ben Simmons, oh, for, you know, he shot three times. He was three for God, you know, three for three in the fourth quarter over the course of seven games. Shot terribly from the free throw line. If I'm not mistaken, Giannis shot at least two air balls over the course of game seven. Two air balls. You know, yes, the Brooklyn yes. fans are sitting there doing their countdown and, you know, yep. 12 seconds, but their count was probably a little fast, but whatever. Yeah. You know, James Harden's over there throwing his hands up and it's like, dude, shut up, dude. You get the benefit of so many calls. I don't want to hear it. Yeah. Yeah. Like, but Giannis was not scared. He was taking it to the rim. He was getting he in was the not scared. He was, yeah. he was exhausted. He was tired, but he got the job done. And unlike, despite shooting two air balls, despite going essentially splitting free throws each and every time he went to the line, hey, Shaq did the same damn thing. And guess what? Shaq's got rings. He's Shaq got rings, dude. never afraid of that oh. moment. He knew he shot free throws terribly, but he was not scared to go out there and shoot. Shaq yep. always said he made them when they counted, and that's exactly right. Giannis yep. went out there, and you know what? Despite what I was thinking earlier in the game about, like, this dude's scared of the moment, he left it all out there on the court. And uh, you know what? I thought, okay, this is Budin. If Booty loses this game this way, it's over for him. This dude, 24 hours, 48 hours from now, it's going to be announced. Milwaukee Bucks, you know, Booten holds oh, their yeah, totally. Totally. I, I no, There was no doubt. Obviously, I think this probably saves his job. He finally makes it to the Eastern Conference Finals. Um, you know, I think that, you know, you guys did, obviously you did enough to win this series. You took out the number one team in the Eastern or the number two team in the Eastern conference. Fun fact though, this is the first time since 1994 that two number one seeds from either conference have not made the conference finals. Just a fun fact. That is interesting. I didn't know that. Yep. Um, well now you do. Yeah. Um, Mike, so, there we go. So, you know, there's that. 
Um, you know, again, this is just one of those things, dude, where I like what the Bucks are doing. They're playing well. Again, this is why you went out and got Drew Holiday. Totally, man. You still have Brooke Lopez. Um, yep. When got P.J. Tucker. P.J. Yep. Tucker. I mean, you know, I don't know who is the MVP of that series, but P.J. Tucker playing defense, this is why you brought this dude in. He was hitting oh. – he was knocking down his corner threes. He was never yep. afraid to take those corner threes. He knows that's his bread and butter. He knows yep. that if he's open, he has to take that shot. He was doing it. And he's now up. he's in a conference final. And yep. his former teammate, James Harden, is not. I mean, it, it's just – it's a beautiful thing, man. I really like what your Bucks are doing. And, you know, moving on to the Bucks atlanta series, you know, look, I don't know how much magic the Atlanta Hawks have left. If I'm the yeah. Bucks, I'm probably at least a little timid. Not timid. I, I would at least be – I don't want to underestimate the Hawks. They were no. not the favorites no. to win. I mean, it could have gone either way, but I think it was a fairly a 50-50 split between the Knicks and the Hawks, Chris. Yes, in terms yep. of who was going to win that series. Yep. But no one anticipated the Hawks winning against Philadelphia. No. no, no nobody did. Nobody. So, You're right. But I, if I'm the Bucks and I'm Budenholzer and the coaching staff and the players, at this point in time, you can't sit here and be like, you know, yeah, we got this. We, we've got an easy ticket to punch to go to the NBA Finals. Yeah. Can't take yeah. the Hawks for granted because they're playing really well. Nate McMillan is a great coach. He's proving it right now. Yes. However, I do think that your Bucks are going to win this series because at the end of the day, who on the the Atlanta Hawks is going to make even a dent in what Giannis is going to be able to accomplish? Now, I know he's hurt. He's a little hobbled. Yeah. But he was able to get out there and he was able to finish the game. He's going to have a little bit of rest. Um, Yeah. He's going to get treatment. You know, obviously, you still have Chris Middleton. But I think playing at home over the course of a seven-game series, I like you guys. I think you guys win this game, this series in five and six, five or six games. I don't think it goes sit, you know, the full seven. Uh, I, agree. I just can't see how Trey Young's magic can continue. Um, I agree. Oh, if you, yeah. if you look at what you know, Drew Holiday was able to accomplish defensively. I think that either him, Pat Connaughton, you know, um, yep. uh, uh, Forbes, Bryn Forbes. You know, you got guys that you're going to be able to go out there and throw down. And, and you know, Brooke Lopez against Clint Capella. You know, Capella is not much of an offensive threat. Brooke Lopez no. is going to stretch him out, which is going to be enable Chris Middleton and those guys to be able to get in the paint. John yep. Collins is going to also have to, you know, be outside the paint because whether it's P.J. Tucker or Giannis, he's going to have to, you know, he's either going to be giving Giannis the, the, the jump shot but then Giannis is much bigger, stronger than John than Collins, um, yep. and 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 PJ Tucker is going to stretch him out to the three point line. So, you know, yep. great yes, point, Gallinari. You know, he's not a great defender. Um, you know, he's a great offensive weapon. Bogdanovich also played really well. Um, but I, I just I like what Phil uh, what you know Milwaukee is going to bring to the table, and I do think Milwaukee is going to be in the NBA Finals. I I, I really believe that. I just can't see how how you know the Hawks are going to make this happen. But hey, that brother! Is my prediction. Hey, I I like that a lot. I can totally jump on board with that. I'm with you. Um, you know, obviously, you know, my box. I'm a little biased, but for the reasons that you just went over, I really like how we match up with the Hawks. Uh, as you go through, and as you just pointed out, the matchups there. I mean, there's nobody on the Hawks that are going to really be able to do much to contain Giannis as long as he uh, continues to attack. 
uh, doesn't revert back to the, I'm going to settle for these long jump shot type of stuff. Um, just continue to attack. There's not really going to be anybody that's going to slow him down. You've got Drew Holiday on the perimeter playing defense. Uh, Chris Middleton, you know, should be able to get some shots, should be able to get in the paint, as you pointed out in this one. And then with P.J. Tucker and, and Lopez's ability to stretch uh, a couple of the other, you know, Hawks there with Capella and Collins and so on. Uh, I just I like the matchups. I like how we match up. Getting home court, of course, could be huge. Um, and then, you know, just I think the experience factor as well for the Bucks. you know, um, to get through this last series was huge, but you go back a couple years ago, you know, we're up two nothing on the on the Raptors in the Eastern Conference Finals. We end up losing the next four, so that's going to be in the back of their minds. I think even if we get up in this series, which hopefully we should, playing at home the first couple of games, that's going to be in the back of everybody's mind. We cannot let up at all. Remember what happened a couple of years ago, and uh, that I think that will that will also bode well for us that experience factor sometimes you got to get through these playoff lumps a lot of the greats had to do it before they got their chance to win a championship and and i think um hopefully that has been the case here for Giannis. gotten through some of these lumps and now it's going to help kind of propel us get us to that finals and then uh you know hey see what happens so i'm going to jump yeah. on board with you brother it would be Truly awesome to to have the the Bucks in the finals. That's for sure. It's it's been a long road. You've been watching these guys for a long time, <laughs> my yeah. brother and, I, and uh, it would be great. So, uh, but you know, like Giannis said, job's only halfway over. So hopefully, uh, you know, they can continue and get it done. A little shining bow on what was an incredible Eastern Conference semifinals, and uh, you know, as you pointed out, Mikey, uh, Game Seven in particular, one for the ages. That's for sure. So absolutely. Uh, We'll take one more uh, quick segment break, and then when we come back, you know, we'll touch on that Western Conference Finals that's going on right now and give you our take there. Balls of Beards podcast, episode 29, moving right along. All right, welcome back, everybody. Uh, Balls and Beards podcast, episode 29, cruising along. Mikey and I just got done going through the uh, two Eastern Conference semifinals, talking about my Bucks, of course, going through that. We, we gave you our take on the Bucks-Hawks, you know, how they match up. And, you know, we both have the Bucks coming through. And we're calling it five or six games. And now we're going to shift over to the West, where, of course, the uh, Suns were able to get a little bit of a surprising sweep, I think, over the Nuggets. Not many people saw that happening. And then the Clippers fell down 2-0 to Utah. And uh, as I said, hey, no, no, no worries here. We we did it to Dallas. We came back. They did it. They ran off four straight victories. The last two without Kawhi Leonard, by the way, to win that series four to two. Game one was last night, and we saw a career performance yet again from another young star. Devin Booker had a forty-point triple double. First, the... first triple double of his career, Chris. First of his career. Wow. Talk about picking a, uh, uh, the time to do it, huh, Mikey? That was yeah. pretty impressive. Uh, the Suns are up one nothing already to despite Chris Paul being out, which, you know, I, kind of the heart and soul leader of that team. So a good sign that they were able to win that game without him and Devin Booker went bonkers. But, dude, I'm uh, just as the other uh, takes, I uh, can't wait to get your thought on this series and who you think ultimately is going to move on. You know, um, as far as the previous series, I I think, look, I think as far as Denver's concerned, I really do think that if Jamal Murray had been healthy, I think they they don't get swept, first of all. Um, Jamal Murray 
is, you know, Jokic might have been, you know, the MVP and, and rightfully so, and might be the MVP of the Denver Nuggets. But, yes. you know, Jamal Murray makes what Joker does possible. And he, that was evident in the four-game sweep, um, I think. Um, you know, and, and, and Jamal Murray is one of the few players, I think, that can go toe-to-toe with Devin Booker. You just look at last year in the bubble, and those two guys in the, during the eight games of, of, you know, leading into the playoffs, those guys were going toe-to-toe with each other in terms of just these scoring outputs and stuff like that. So I think Jamal Murray being there, I think that it's a different series. But I also think that with Denver, you're now looking at all four teams that were in the conference finals and NBA finals last year, no longer in the playoffs. I think that that was evident in what you saw in Denver. They were gassed. Um, yeah. you know, they just didn't have enough. Joker didn't have enough to get it done. And there was fresher legs on the other side. You know, I know Chris Paul had been playing with an injury, but everybody else had been relatively healthy. Everybody else, you know, Jay Crowder, you know, I, I kind of see with the Phoenix Suns a lot of what I saw last season with, you know, the Lakers to some degree. You know, you, you've got Cameron Payne doing what Alex Caruso was doing off the bench for the Lakers last year or Rondo. Um, you know, got Jay Crowder doing Jay Crowder things and, and mixing it up defensively. And as much as I think he's kind of a punk and he, and he does things, but I mean, that's Ron Artest did the same kind of stuff. Uh, you know, Ron Bell, yeah. Tony Allen. I mean, these all time great defenders also did the same kind of things. Yeah. Um, you know, but he's hitting his shots. He's coming out and, you know, like with the Lakers, I mean, he didn't shoot particularly well. And then next thing you know, he, he keeps shooting because he's open and Chris Paul and Booker are telling him to shoot. Next thing you know, he's kind of shooting himself out of a slump. Yeah. You know, yeah. Ayton, same kind of thing. I mean, this is a guy that, you know, he's kind of coming on strong. This is, you know, this he is, is yeah. a team that could, if they stay together, could definitely be a contender going forward, regardless of what happens this postseason. Good point. Yeah. Um, but I think that, um, you know, big one game one in, in Phoenix there. Um, you know, I, I, the Clippers, they're missing Kawhi. He might have a torn ACL. There's a chance that he could be back. Um, you know, and, and if they go down Oh two, if they go down Oh and three, I wouldn't be surprised if they, they do bring him back. Um, but I think they're going to just wait and see how this series plays out. Um, uh, and, and the, uh, and the way in which they play and, and before they determine whether or not he's going to come back. Because if you have the opportunity that you drop game one, but maybe you win this game two, maybe you win game three, you go up two games to one, you're going to continue resting Kawhi Leonard. Um, because if you really think that you're going to have a chance of going to the NBA finals for the first time in franchise history, you're, you're going to wait and have Kawhi rest up as much as humanly possible to have him ready for the NBA finals. Completely um, agree. Yeah. And especially if they go up against your Bucks. You want Kawhi as healthy as humanly possible going up against Giannis, Chris Middleton, and and you know, and those two guys in particular. Um, of course. you know, I, I think, you know, kudos to the Clippers. I mean, they got the job done in a game seven. You know, Ty Lu was able to to muster up the the ability to to get that get that uh victory. Um, yeah, yeah, you know, and and so and that was a big win. Um, and, what, and they erased a huge deficit, too. Utah was up 25 in the first half of that game. Yes, six. I, thought it was game over. I, I thought this was, you know, this was uh, this is the Clippers of old. They're going to yeah, lose this game. They're up 25 points. 
Jordan yep. Clarkson, come, Clarkson comes in the second quarter, puts up 21 points, or just like like that, you know. Yep. And it was like, oh, damn. Like, uh-oh. But then yeah. kudos to the Clippers. I mean, they rallied off. They they come back. They take the lead. It's a 28-point swing. You know, yep. Jordan Clarkson didn't score a single point in the second half. He finished with the 21 points. So, you know, but kind of like Joker, kind of like some of these other guys, you know, Donovan Mitchell was gassed at the end of that series. You could see it. You know, you could just see it on his face. He shot an air ball, I think it was. Like, you know, it was just to the point where, like, this dude just didn't have enough left. He didn't. He was missing um, free throws down the stretch of that game yeah. six. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Um, you know, they – they, I don't disagree, at least in the first half, with Quinn Snyder's uh, strategy of, like, look, I'm not going to let Paul George beat us. If Terrence Mann beats us, we're gonna, we can live with that. I and he don't did. think Quinn <laughs> Snyder figured on Ter- Terrence Mann having a career game. Yeah, 39 um, points, Mikey. Yeah, 30 <laughs> career high. I mean, yeah, yeah, he's never yeah. scored that many points in college. Chris. No, dude, not even close. No, so, no. Now, and, and Rudy Gobert, I mean, you know, the Clippers were doing what any good NBA team is going to do. They were milking it until the Jazz were going to make an adjustment. The yep. Clippers kept doing what they were doing. They were setting high screens. And they were allowing Terrence Mann to drift to the corners. And Rudy Gobert was continuously having to leave the paint in order to get out on him. And his closeouts were way too slow. And Quinn Snyder, you know, he's a great coach. um, Yes. And I like what he was able to accomplish. But kind of like what we've talked about with Budenholzer, with Doc Rivers, that play was there each and every time. And the Jazz didn't do enough as the best, one of the best defensive teams in the league top five almost all season. It was weird that they didn't do anything, whether it was go smaller and play Derek Favors more at the five to be able to switch things a little bit more. I get it. Rudy Gobert is the defensive player of the year, but when you have Terrence Mann going off from the corners and your big is clo- late closing out, you had to do something. And the Jazz just didn't there. do oh. anything to, nope. to yeah. rectify that. So mm-hmm. I don't know what was going on there. Um, as far as the Phoenix Suns series and whatnot, I, I think, oh, God, I don't know, Chris. I mean, we're coming up on 54 minutes here of the podcast. But, you know, I, I think it's just one of those things, dude, where if Chris Paul comes back and Chris Paul plays like he had been playing in the previous two series, the Clippers are going to lose the series. I'm sorry. There's I agree. There's too much going on with the Phoenix Suns. They're playing ridiculously good basketball. Reggie Jackson, can he get it done? You can ask the right. same thing about Dan. The same thing about Chris Paul. Sure. But they have Cameron Payne, Payne playing lights out. You have almost everybody on that Phoenix Suns team doing exactly what they're supposed to do. Yep. And, you know, I just don't know if the Clippers are going to have enough. I'm not saying the Clippers can't win this series. I do think this series probably goes six or seven games. I really, really do. I but, agree. I, I just think that if Chris Paul comes back and I, it looks like he's going to, he's been symptom free from health and safety protocols now for the few days, he's probably not going to play in this game too, but I wouldn't be surprised if he's back for game three or game four. And if that's the case, I, you know, I still think maybe six games, but I think this series is going to go to the Phoenix Suns. And I think they're going to the NBA finals and going up against your, your Milwaukee Bucks. Hey, there we go, Mikey. I, uh, you know what? I, I've gone back and forth with this one as well, but 
Um, you know, I'm with you. And, and it, again, it was such a good sign for the Suns to win that game one. Devin Booker coming up big and everything. And, and you know, the Clippers played pretty good. You can't, you know, they, they played well, no doubt about it. But I'm going to agree with you. And I've gone against the Suns this entire postseason, man. You know, I, I thought uh, thought the Lakers were going to beat them, thought the Nuggets were going to beat them in the semifinals. So, I'm just going to stop picking against them for now. I'm going to go with the Suns as well. I'm with you. I think it'll be about a six-game series sounds about right for this one. And and I think I, a lot of it will will be when Chris Paul is back, whether it's game three, game four, whenever that might be exactly. But And then at some point, just the energy level, the exhaustion of having to come back from down two games to none, having to – you know, and, and three games to two in that first series with Dallas, but just the energy that the Clippers have had to use, you know, collectively as a team to do that, and then not having one of your best players, you know, with Kawhi to, to get that game five and six. I just think as this series goes on, the Suns, they, they had that surprising sweep. They're rested. As we get later in this series, I, I you know, it's just hard to not see the Suns being fresher, especially down stretch in the fourth quarters of these games where they're going to be able to hit a few more buckets as the Clippers are just a little bit too fatigued from having the rally back. Um, even if Kawhi does come back later in this series, I just think the fresher Suns are going to be able to get it done. I think that will be a factor in this one too. It is difficult when you keep falling behind in series and you have to go win those must win games on the road and you keep having to do it series after series at some point. Um, you just you go to the reserves and there's nothing left. You know they're they're gone. So I yeah. think the Clippers might run into that. That being said, um, I'm with you. I, I I I wouldn't be shocked if they won this series. Paul George is playing really good. We just talked about Terrence Man. They've got guys, so you never know. But I think this game two is really important. I I, I think they really can't fall behind 2-0 again, um, and then expect to somehow be able to win you know, four out of five games. I just don't see that happening against this well-rested. And as you pointed out, Suns team, that's playing so good. So, yeah. Um, but as you pointed out, brother, we're coming down the stretch today. I know we've had some coaching changes and, you know, I, we can definitely dive into that in more detail in our next episode for sure. Uh, but I don't know if you wanted to touch on anything in that regard before we wrap up today's episode or anything else. Um yeah, you know, um, you know uh, I just read this morning that um, the Portland Trailblazers, they're down to two candidates for their head coaching position, uh, okay. Chauncey Billups, and for the first time in NBA history, and really, like, major sports history, Becky Harmon is the other name that wow, is a finalist awesome, for the dude. head coaching job. First time that a woman has has been a finalist, and, um, you know, I, I, I really do think that they, she has probably – the best chance of being a head coach, whether it's with the Blazers, the entirely sure there's a few jobs out there that are you know waiting in the sure. wings. But I think that she has absolutely the opportunity to become a head coach here going into the next season. And kudos to her and kudos to Chauncey Billups. He's wanted to be a coach now for a little bit. And yeah, um, you know, it's nice to see some fresh blood coming into the NBA. And so also I also wanted to point out too that of the four remaining teams in the NBA, three out of the four teams have a black head coach um, at the helm. And so I, I think that that also deserves some recognition, um, especially when you're talking about diversity and trying to Absolutely, diversify the league. Yeah. When you've got, yeah. you know, uh, um, black players making up the, the majority of the, the rosters in the NBA, having that representation at the head coaching level is also important. 
and kudos to Jermaine Jones, uh, Jermaine, not Jermaine Jones, to uh, uh, Jones, the, um, the yeah. GM of the yep. Phoenix Suns winning executive of the year for bringing totally. in Chris Paul and the things that he's able to do there in the Valley of the Sun. So, you know, totally. really good things going on with the NBA. They've always been kind of at that forefront of, of being progressive. And they're certainly making that's making true. So kudos yeah. to the NBA for that. Totally, man. I couldn't agree with you more. Um, thank you for pointing that out, you know, and, and I couldn't agree more. Absolutely. It's nice to see them, as you just point out, continue to be in the forefront with that. So shout out to uh, Becky Harmon. Shout out to the Trailblazers for, for the opportunity. And, you know, I think she's going to be a good coach when she gets her opportunity. And I agree with you. I think it's going to be soon, whether it's this one with the Blazers or another team. And when Chauncey Billups gets his opportunity as well, whether again, it's with the Blazers or another team, I think he's going to be a pretty darn good coach. Um, I've got my eye on both the, both he and Becky Harmon, and it'll be a lot of fun to watch their respective careers uh, when they get the job. So great, great stuff there, Mikey. Thank you for pointing that stuff out. Um, Hey, uh, what an episode, man. I had a blast. I had a great time, dude. It was a great, great episode. Episode 29, guys, in the books. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram. Check out our Patreon page, of course. We appreciate all the support, Balls and Beards podcast. We will look forward to another episode soon. We'll continue our you know, run through the playoffs, going uh, along with the waves here, up and down. So anything in closing today, brother? No, sir. Um, happy Father's Day to all the dads out there. Um, and, uh, you know, uh, I hope everybody stays cool and make sure you drink lots of fluids. Stay hydrated, people. Absolutely, Mikey. Well said. And a happy Father's Day to you, my friend. Oh, thank You're you, a father of two great girls and an excellent dad. That is for sure. So oh, a happy thanks. belated Father's Day.